0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, this month we've been working from this idea of circular. Everything is connected. Talking about, first of all, the body. Secondly, the spirit. And then today we'll talk about the soul. And, uh, you know, soul is really important. How many could agree with that? And so today is really a springboard into next month, into February, for our Soul Detox series. I'm really looking forward to this. We've got some special news, though. How many remember Bishop Jamie Engelhart? You were here for him? Awesome, awesome man. Well, he will actually be here on February 11th, so the second Sunday of the month. And uh, we had a conversation last week, and he was just we were catching up with what's going on with him. He's a traveling minister, and what's going on here? And I told him about the Circular Series and that we're moving into the Soul Detox Series. He's like, man, that, that is so important. It's, it's such a big deal to understand our soul. And we started talking. I said, hey, why don't you help me out on the series? He goes, let's do it. So I'll preach the first week. He'll do the second. I'll do the third and fourth. But not only that. On February fourteenth, the twenty first and the twenty eighth, the three Wednesdays, say three Wednesdays, we're gonna have a little mini series called Metamorphosis, where he's gonna come in and teach even deeper about the soul. And I'll tell you, the stuff we were talking about on the phone, I'm like, wow, brother, if we could get a hold of this, this would radically change our families, our workplace, church. Cause how many know that church has issues too? We're people. And people have issues, and so it's a soul thing. So again, February 11th, Bishop Jamie Engelhart will be here on Sunday morning helping out with the Soul Detox series. And then he's going to be doing a small group or mini-series called Metamorphosis starting on February 14th. It'll be the 14th, the 21st, and the 28th at 7 p.m. Say 7 p.m. He's so full of revelation, just great stuff, just a, a sweet brother that you'll just sit there and go, it's over now? What? I want more. It's really good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Amen? So mark that on your calendars. But we're going to start in 3 John chapter 1. have been to about this idea that, first of all, we are a spirit. That's who we truly are. We're a spirit. With a soul wrapped up in this body. And realizing that if we can see that they're connected, that it gives us strength in times of adversity or the trials of life. You know what? It also helps us in the good times. It helps us to enjoy the good times. Because if you're having issues of understanding who you really are in Christ, that's your spirit, if you're having health issues with your body, if you're having health issues with your soul, there's some toxicity going on there. How many know that even when the good times are rolling, You don't even know it. Has anyone been in that situation where things are actually going well and for some reason you just can't enjoy it? There's just something going on. There's inner turmoil. It's because we don't understand that body, that spirit, and soul. And let me tell you this. It's a journey. None of us have arrived. It's going to take many years. This is how I look at it. At salvation, when we believe on Jesus, it says we're made a new creation. So we have a spirit, it's wall to wall God, it's just like God, amen? So that's a done deal. But then as we journey through life, it's all about the soul. Now a lot of times we've heard, man, I just, I read my Bible, I pray, I, I'm really trying to grow spiritually. Now how many know what people are saying when they say that we're trying to grow spiritually? But the truth is, you're growing soulfully. Your spirit's just like God. Your spirit is always leading you into righteousness, in, into right actions and words and responses, into restoration, not retribution, into the peace, you know, not, not anger. I mean, this is just how it works. So it's this process through life, and then at the end of this mortal life, we get a new body. You see the process? Spirit, soul, and then body. So here we are in this earth, and you're like, oh, i got to put up with this soul for how many years? But here's the thing. Jesus is with you, his spirit is with you, and he'll never leave you, he'll never abandon you, he's in this journey, even when you have your worst day, he's there going, come on, let me, let me pull you up, we can do this together, I believe in you, I trust you with my spirit. Isn't that powerful to think that God trusts you as a human being with his spirit? And so he's always there encouraging us. But it's interesting here, the apostle John says in 3 John, And really, there's only one chapter, so verse two, he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects, every facet of your life, you may prosper and be in health. How? Just as your soul prospers. Now, this word prosper actually means to have success. How many love to have success in life? Now, when we think of it, in a Western culture, we think, oh, okay, that means lots of money and I get the promotion and I got the big house and I got the big car. I don't have an issue with big houses and, and nice cars. I'm just saying that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that you'll have success in life. How many would you like to just have success with your children, with your spouse, on your job? Maybe that those responses, how many of you said something as you're saying, you're like, ah, oh, you're trying to grab the words back and it just doesn't quite work. Well, what if those responses were different and you didn't have to try to grab those words back? And I think it's interesting that he correlates this physical health with soul health. The soul is so very important. So let's talk about that today in our series Circular and let's talk about the soul. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We have another opportunity today for repentance, another opportunity to change our mind about ourselves. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're always speaking to us, you're always working through us, and you're showing us those recesses of our heart where maybe there's something there we didn't notice before. But we thank you that you're a sweet spirit of grace that isn't condemning and condescending, that you're always looking for a way to direct us and put us on the right path, not forcefully, but showing us the truth and the error in our ways so that we can change, we can live out of who we really are now as righteous persons, as children of God. We thank you that your word today will change us in a good way. We'll walk out of here freer than we were when we walked in. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Last year, Kristen and I went on a trip to Ireland. And I'll tell you what, it was beautiful, wasn't it? We went on a trip to Ireland and tell you, we, we were looking forward to it, and, and man, the things that we saw over there, I mean, the Cliffs of Moore, and, and the food, and the people, and just, just the green grass everywhere you go, they, they do call it the Emerald Island for a reason. It's because it rains a lot, but you don't even notice it. It's just so beautiful. There's all these patches of different colors of green. It's just such a beautiful place. It was an opportunity of a lifetime, and praise God, we were able to go. You know, while we were there, we, we realized something. It's also the place of no disagreements or arguments. I don't know if it was maybe the food. I don't know if it was the water. You know how they say it's in the water, there's something in the water. But you know, we're sitting there one day and I went, it's the kids. (laughs) Or the lack thereof. Because our kids did not go on the trip with us. And it was wonderful. I'm like, it's the kids. The kids are the issue. You know, it's, it's just like Adam, the blame game, right? You just blame the kids. So why are we arguing? Now, isn't it true, parents? How many times have you been maybe in a disagreement or arguing about something like, why are we even mad? Well, it's because one of your kids got you riled up. And then the next thing you know, you're taking it out on your spouse. So that's just how it happens, at least with me. I'm not perfect yet. Don't judge me. But, you know, it was a beautiful time. It was a wonderful time. But, you know, it was a really long flight over there. And have you ever noticed that when when you take long trips, whether you're driving or you're flying, there's usually some rest time and there's a layover. And, you know, when you fly a long way, there's layovers. If you're driving across country, you got to, I guess you can call them layovers, you got to usually spend the night at a hotel or, or camp or do something because you have to rest. It's a long trip. And, you know, sometimes we'll even try to get that really cheap flight. You're like, man, I saved 102 bucks. How? Only 16 layovers. I'll get there in three days. It's amazing. It's like you could have drove there in three days, right? But, you know, layovers can be short. Layovers can be long. But there are these points where you rest in between journeys. Now, imagine we had flown from Detroit and we landed in Newark. Imagine I was sitting there and I looked at Kristen and I said, You know what, babe? I think I'm good. I think, I think I'm good with Newark. I mean, you know, I could probably uh, grab a little uh, corner over there, maybe buy a sleeping bag and, and sleep in the corner. And they've got restaurants and stuff in here in the airport. And maybe I'd venture out and take a taxi and check some stuff out. And she'd say, Wait a minute, babe. That, but, but our final destination is Ireland. Don't, I mean, there's so many wonderful things. Oh, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's some amazing things at the destination. I mean, we've seen pictures and we've seen videos and it's great. But I'm pretty comfortable right here. In fact, if I get on the next flight, it's seven more hours of plane food. Oh, it's seven more hours of sitting there being bored. It's seven more hours of being six foot three in economy because I didn't fly first class, folks. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, my legs, I mean, they're, they're actually, they're not asleep anymore and I can walk. You know, when you first get off a plane, it's kind of like I'm a pelican, I'm a pelican. Like you, you don't know what's going on. But here I am, I'm comfortable. I mean, my legs aren't asleep anymore and they have better food out here. Why would I do that? And she'd look at me and go, All right, buddy, see you later. Have a good time because she's going to Ireland, right? Wouldn't that be just completely ridiculous of me to stop in Newark after I've sacrificed time and money and energy to go to Ireland? I'm glad that I didn't have that conversation. I'm glad that I got onto the next flight and spent seven hours because even though we got there and we were tired, the next nine days were amazing. We experienced things we had never experienced before. See, I think a lot of times our journey with Jesus is like that. And for a lot of us, he'll, he'll move us to a certain place in life, and, and we'll be like, wow, this is really cool, this revelation of, of just salvation and what that means. Wow, I'm, I'm comfortable, Jesus. He's like, hey, look at the next flight came in. Let's go discover something new like grace. Well, but, but I'm comfortable, Lord. I want to stay here. And some people just stay there. Others fly over, and they go... Wow. Okay. I thought his love was great, but his grace, oh my gosh, it empowers me to say no to sin. It teaches me the ways of righteousness. Wow. I'm seeing who I am in Christ. This is amazing. Wow. I'm comfortable. I'm just staying here. And Jesus goes, oh, the next flight came in. You want to know more about the kingdom? Do you want to know more, more about what we get to do? Wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Wait, grace means I don't have to do anything. I get you to lay around and be lazy, right? No, 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 no. My grace empowers you to do the things I've called you to do. I think I'm comfortable, Jesus. But some go, you know what, Jesus? It's going to be a little uncomfortable. How many know when you growth sometimes isn't comfortable? And so we get on the plane, and it could be a seven-year flight, could be a seven-month flight. We don't know. And you get on that plane, and you're like, I have faith, Jesus, however long it takes that, that I can trust you. And it's, it's a little uncomfortable. I'm moving into this. I'm like, okay, I understand more. Okay, I do have a purpose. You have a plan for my life. But it's, it's through your love and through your grace that I do what you call me to do. But for some people, like, I'm good. I've learned everything I need to learn. I think I'm just going to stay here because I'm comfortable. How many know you'll never reach the final destination? I'm not talking about heaven. okay? I'm talking about the destination that he's given your life to impact the world. Because we can, we can sit here in these four walls and within our heart and go, man, this is so good, this Jesus I have. I'm holding on doing tight. Oh, Jesus, you're not going anywhere. And he's like, let me out. I want to reach others. Oh, no, no, Jesus, no, no. You're all mine. You're all mine. And we almost get greedy with Jesus instead of stepping out and going, guess what? Jesus wants to live in you. The Father wants you as a child. He has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he loves you. He's already reconciled the world, all of creation to himself. You are in favor with God now. He loves you so much. Will you come join the family? And they take the first flight of salvation. And then at some point, Jesus says, hey, you want to take the next flight? Will we take the next flight? And you know, the soul is kind of like this. It's this journey that we're on, and and, and God is saying, he's beckoning us. He's he's like, will you come on this journey because I've given you a brand new spirit. You're you're brand new at the core. You're just like me. You're my family. I mean, who you are is who I am. You're, You're bearing my image, but will you move on now through this soul realm? What is a soul? It's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I'll tell you what. If your soul's jacked up, Life for you is usually pretty jacked up. I'm talking to myself. If you've got old habits and thought patterns and and you refuse to get on the plane to renew that soul, renew that mind, guess what? You're going to struggle in life. You'll struggle with things like, does God really love me today? Well, he must really like me today because I went to church. I miss church today. I wonder if he really loves me. And we struggle with just such minor things that we make so big. And we should know that we know that we know that God loves us and he cares for us. He wants to grow us to that next place. But are we willing to get on the plane? Are we going to stay on that layover for the rest of our lives? So let's go on a little journey today. You know, next month we'll get into soul detox. It's detoxifying those areas of our soul. But let's find out today, what is the soul all about? Number one, the mind. Say the mind. Mind. Say it like that, the mind. Mind. The mind is a very powerful thing. Romans 12, 2, I love this scripture. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, what, transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Now stop there for a second. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. We have two words here. We have the word conformed and transformed. The word conformed in the Greek means this, manner, mode, or style of life. So when he says, do not be conformed to this world, he's saying, don't take on a worldly mindset. It's not saying don't be friends with people who are in the world. Hey, you follow me? It's talking about this mode of this lifestyle, this way of thinking and this way of doing. He's saying, don't operate according to the world. What is the world? Let's just throw a few things out. Uh, greed, lust, anger, violence, retribution. Does these sound familiar? I mean, we can see this just in the latest movies that come out, right? I mean, it's all about you're gonna pay him back and we're gonna get him and we're gonna steal from them and we gotta get more money. It's all this, this world idea, right? So he says, do not be conformed to that way of thinking, but be, say it with me, transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Now, I love this word transformed. In the Greek, it's the word metamorpho, and it's where we get our word metamorphosis. It actually holds this idea of changing into another form. Now, this literally will change us into a completely different person, namely somebody who is Christ-like. Think about that. You ever looked at someone and said, wow, man, it's like I'm seeing Jesus in that person. It's because their mind has been renewed to some areas in their life. It makes me think about the the transfiguration of Jesus. When he's on, many scholars believe, Mount Hermon. And as he's standing there, suddenly it says that his, his clothes began to dazzle white, brighter than bright. And that his face shone and shined before them. You know, this is before like we had CGI and cool movies at IMAX, right? in Emacs. This was the disciples, Peter, James and John, and they're there and they're like, "Whoa! What is going on here, Jesus?" And then all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear. What is going on? This is like the coolest movie ever. They got their popcorn out. No, they're probably freaking out is what they're doing. And then Peter, who always has to say something to fill the void because he's uncomfortable, says, hey, let's, let's build tents or tabernacles for you guys, and then we can worship Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And as soon as he says that, Elijah and Moses disappear. And the voice of the Heavenly Father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And he says, listen to him. Some translations say, listen to him only. Whoa, what about the law and the prophets? Oh, they're going to pass away because there's a brand new way to live life now. And Jesus was completely transfigured. Do you know that word metamorphosis means the same thing? That as we allow Christ to live through us, suddenly we become transfigured. People run into a year and three years and eight years and ten years down the line. They haven't seen you and they go, what happened to you? Like, it's you. I see the face. It's Pete, it's Jess, it's Myron, it's Teresa, it's John, it's Keith. I, I know it's you, but there's something different about you. I mean, you have changed. And you can go, I transfigured and metamorphosized. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Do you want to come with me? It's like, oh my gosh. Obviously, that's, that's not what you should say. But that's what happens. You, you completely transform. You change. And it's not because of you and your performance and working really hard. I'm going to do it this year, God. It's like you're going to get a hernia or something. You're going to pop something. At least pop a blood vessel, right? But it's about allowing Christ to live his life through you. See, he gave his life to you so he could live his life through you. And so many times we're trying to do it through self-effort instead of saying, I depend on you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, we've just... We've just taken that verse and blown it out of proportion and we put it on, you know, the back of Nike shirts. I'm doing all things. Through who? Oh, yeah, yeah, that Jesus guy. Yeah, through Christ. The emphasis should always be on him, amen? And so there's this transformation that happens. And what does that transformation look like? If it's the opposite of the world, which is greed and lust and anger and violence and retribution, then it should be the opposite, which is the kingdom of God. And we should exude things like self-giving and self-sacrificing love. Didn't Jesus demonstrate that on the cross? I mean, Jesus is on a cross. We crucified him. One of the worst sins we committed ever, deicide. And he says, forgive them. What? They just beat you. And he was crucified. One of the worst ways you could ever die. And he's, he's on the cross because of us. Right? What we did to him. And he says, forgive them. He, even on the cross, he was demonstrating the way of the kingdom. Self-giving and self-sacrifice and love. A kingdom of grace and peace. And not retribution, but restoration. there's so many stories, man. I I could just go on and on. I mean, think about Peter. He denied Jesus three times, the third time cursing and swearing. And Jesus could have said, see, I told you you were going to do that. But the next time he saw Peter, he three times says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Three times to offset his three denials. And he says, Yes, Lord. He says, feed my sheep. You know what he was saying? You're worthy of the calling I've called you to. Regardless if you think you are or not. I think if Judas were still there, he would have said the same thing to Judas. And I know Judas had a change of heart because he threw the money back at him and then he hung himself on a tree when he could have said, my Savior hung on a tree and I can be restored through him. See the difference? See the difference? This is the kingdom of God. It's all about restoration. And so when we renew our mind, what do we do? We come to a place of repentance. Now, we, we've taken this word repentance, man, and we have just we have made it so sour. We have, we have just made it so dirty. It's like, repent. And we say it in the, I can't even do that voice. I think I cough. Repent. And you put a oh, on the end. You dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. Repent. And we think repentance is running to an altar every Sunday and groveling before God and hopefully, hopefully he'll love you enough and and find you worthy. And if Jesus comes back, maybe I'll go and I'll be with him. But the word repentance means to change your mind. Whenever Jesus says repent, whenever Peter said repent and believe the gospel, whenever Paul says repent and believe the gospel, they're saying change your mind and believe the good news that God really loves you right where you are and he loves you so much he won't let you stay there. Repentance is changing our mind. And so repentance should be something that happens daily. It's a daily walk with Jesus where we start to realize that certain things in our lives don't line up with who we really are or who Jesus is. And by the way, he's not condescending or belittling or bringing condemnation to you. He's teaching you by his grace. I've heard people leave church services and go, that was a good service. Why? Because I feel like complete crap. It must be God. Uh, I'm sorry. That's not how God operates. The Holy Spirit's always convincing you of your righteousness and your rightness and your right standing with God. He's saying, no, no, you need to say no to that sin because that's not who you are. I didn't build you that way, but it's never condemning. It's never condescending. Looking down his nose at you, he's always saying, Come on, this is who you really are. Am I really like that? Because my actions are showing you. No, know, listen, the more you know who you are and you believe it, you will start to speak and do what you believe. Do you believe you're righteous, holy, pleasing, and acceptable? Not yet. Let's work on it some more because it's a soul issue. And he says, Let's change our minds, let's renew our minds. Back to Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now look at this next part. So that you may prove what the will of God is. Wait a minute. So God doesn't prove his will. I prove his will. Well, what is his will? That which is good and acceptable and what? Perfect. So wait a minute, God, you... You're saying that I'm the one who proves your will. Yeah, how can I do that? Because I made you brand new. Because I'm here with you. Because we're doing this together. Because it's not by your might or strength, but by my might and strength and my power. Will you go along for the ride? Will you get on the plane and go on the journey with me? Because sure, you can sit there. It doesn't change my love for you, but I've got so much more for you to see. And it's so much better than the Cliffs of Moher, which by the way are amazing but it's so much more than that but will you go on the journey will you get on that next flight to the next phase that i want to bring you to so we renew our minds so that we may prove the will of god so number 2 the will now we're not talking about this perfect will circle i used to teach this stuff and it was just bunk but i'm like okay there's a bullseye we'd even have like graphics so it must be god So we have a bullseye, and that's the perfect will. And then there's the outer ring, just a little bit further, and that's his permissive will. Have you ever heard this? Perfect, permissive. And the next one is like the outer ring of darkness or something, like you're out of his will, you can't be blessed anymore. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought I had all blessings and godliness, everything comes to me through Jesus. But it's not about a bullseye. And then we would get sometimes like, okay, Lord, I don't know, what car should I buy? What school should I go to? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray and ask. But we, we literally would like freak ourselves out of us what what house? What house should I buy? Well the one you can afford, at least for starters. What, what about the spouse? What about the spouse? Well, maybe not that one, because she yells at you all the time. You know, I mean, sometimes I think God just wants us to make decisions. It's kinda like with my kids, you know. I used to I used to joke we'd we'd sit down and I'm ready to order and they had their kids' menu and there's literally three or four four items. What is it? A cheeseburger, hot dogs mac and cheese, and chicken fingers. And they're like, uh, uh, should, I, should I get hot dogs or chicken? I don't care. Just get something. Choose something. It wasn't like it went, my perfect will for thee today is hot dogs, which would not be God, because I don't think hot dogs are even of heaven or God anyway. <laughs> so that was not God speaking through me, by the way. But he's saying, just make a choice, and I'll help you with those choices. But Here's what I've come to find is if we let love be the litmus test to everything we choose and do, we'll do the right thing. Does that make sense? If we let love have its way, it's like, you know, uh, I think I want to make a different decision today than I did yesterday when it comes to this person and them confronting me. And then you might pray about it and go, you know... It wouldn't be very loving for me to get this house just so I can keep up with the Joneses because that would hurt my family in the long run because my budget would be so screwed up and we'd be like house poor, living to pay a payment. You're like, wow, how did you drag it over in the spiritual realm? Because everything's spiritual. But if we operate according to love, if that's a litmus test our decisions, you're going to make better decisions, Right? And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us. We talked about that last week. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks. For some of us, we actually hear like an audible voice, a still, small voice. Others, we, we feel something somehow moving us a certain way. For others, maybe we see things, and that's okay. And, and God speaks to us the way he speaks to us, and it may be different for you than it is for me, and that's fine. But let love be the litmus test. So when we look at will, what is the goal? Well, the goal is to have our will become his will. To be transformed into a Christ-like individual. But it's not like God is saying, you must be like me. And then he, he steps back and he folds his arm and he watches every move to see. No, he's with us, saying you can be like me because I'm in you. I'm living my life through you. So how do we see this process? Well, he just spells it out. He says, it's the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I was talking to Jamie about this, and man, something just exploded in my heart when we were talking. Not physically, I'm still here, but something exploded in my heart, you know, and I was like, man, what, what is this all about? There's a process here. Take our kids, for instance. When we tell them that they need to change their attitude about something or, you know, you need to respond differently to mommy when you respond to her about that. Or you need to change your actions in something. We're dealing with their will, right? They're over here saying, I will do this. And you are saying, no, you will do this. Now, my biggest issue is trying to not force my will on them. It's trying to compel them through the grace of Dad and the love of Dad towards them. This is a hard thing for me, I'll just be honest, because sometimes I'm like, just do it because I said, because I'm tired, and I want you to go to bed. And it rhymes, and so, again, it's the Lord. But So I'm standing here, and I think, how do I do this? Because what I'm doing is they're saying, I will, and I'm saying, I have a different will. I want to hand this will over to you. Why? Because I love you. It's not because we hate our kids. I tell my kids a lot of times, like we wouldn't be having this conversation if I didn't love you. I wouldn't be telling you to change your ways and your responses if I didn't love you. This is why I do what I do, because I love you, and I see the consequences of the actions that you're doing. When somebody at school hits you and you throw the toy at them, you're going to get in trouble. So instead... Why don't you say, I forgive you, walk away, tell the teacher, let let the parents know so it can be dealt with. We don't just allow people to hurt people, but what about a different response where instead of retaliating, you're trying to restore the situation? So our kids always have a will, and then we see their will, which they don't know everything we know, and we say, okay, out of love, I want to give them my will so they can change. Do you follow this so far? This is how God deals with us. And so there's a process to it. Number one, that it's good we as children of God and, and our kids, as our kid, our children have to say, my parents love me. They're for me. This is good. I mean, I have a good, good father. See how I work that in? I have a good, good mother and they have my best interest in mind. So the first thing we recognize, whether it's our children with us or us with the fathers, we go, okay, this is good. This will is good for me. This this is a good thing I need to do. But then what do we do next? Number two, I accept this as the right thing to do. So yeah, this is good, but we haven't accepted it yet. It's good, but then we go, okay, I accept this. This is the right thing for me to pursue. My will is accepting your will for me. But then it gets even better. Number three, perfection. The word perfect means to bring to completion. I've grown into the completion of that will. My will is perfected on that area through practice and what else? Maturity. So it always has to start with good. I mean, if if your kids don't think that you have their best interest in mind and it's not good, and sometimes you have to convince them through more love and more love. But they first of all have to see that this is good. And then they accept that will and they start to apply that to their life. And eventually through practice and through maturity they grow fully into that will and that facet of their life. It's the same thing with with God. I love songs like, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. Because it's reminding us that Okay, God, even though this this journey is uncomfortable, and I chose to get on the plane. Is it really good though? Are you really that good to me? And he convinces you of his goodness and his kindness, and you go, okay, this is good for me, this is good for me. And then we go, okay, it's good. I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna accept it. And then eventually we grow into it. You see how the process works? And so then we prove the good, the acceptable in the perfect will of God. Isn't that beautiful? that he lives that through us. So first of all, it's a mind change. We have to renew our minds. This is the soul, right? Mind, will, and emotions. We have to renew our mind. We have to renovate is a, a better word in the Greek for it. Renovate. When you renovate, say, your kitchen, do you pull old things out? Mm-hmm. Well, then do you put new things in? Guys, if you don't put new stove and fridge in there, you might get in trouble. So you put new things in. You put new countertops. You make it new. This is renewing our mind. It's restoring. It's renovating. It's saying, God, I have old thoughts and desires and and habits, but I'm looking to you. You're presenting these to me, and so now I'm renewing my mind, which then in turn helps me to see how good your will is for me, and then I accept that will, and then I move on to perfection and maturity and prove your will. Number three. Number three the emotions, the emotions. I left this as the third one on purpose because this is how it should work. It should be renewing our mind and then seeing as well as good, accepting and maturing, and then the emotions will follow because for some of us, we put it right at the top. Well, I'm emotional right now and so I'm gonna make a bunch of really important decisions. And how many know that goes really well for you? I've learned that, man, when I'm emotional, for me, I go, okay, I'm not going to make a decision right now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to just be quiet. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to go to sleep. Whatever it takes to not make a stupid decision right now, and I'm going to rely on his strength. I'm going to rely on his rest in this situation. You know what I find is when you come down from those emotions, it doesn't mean everything changed on the outward, but we trust him. We have its called faith, right? We have faith in him and his will for us, and his goodness for us, and what he's called us to. And then, and I don't do this all the time, because I've also made those really bad decisions, like, yeah, this is a great decision, and then like two weeks later, I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Well, you weren't. He was emotional. But those those times where I say, okay, the emotions, we're putting those aside. I'm just going to wait on you, Lord. I'm going to just put it in your hands, and all of a sudden, that's still a small voice. All of a sudden, okay, you know, I wouldn't have thought of that before. And he's like, duh. No, he, doesn't. he never says that. But that's why we listen to him, right? Because he knows better than we do. He knows the future. And so we can go, okay, you know, this goes against everything I feel in the natural right now, but I'm going to trust you and do what you say to do. And I'm telling you what, it always works out better when you listen to the Holy Spirit. So we can't be ran by emotions, but how many know emotions aren't bad and wrong? God gave those to us. But some of us, because of the world, because of the thought process, different things that we've gone through in life that very well could be hideous, horrendous things that someone should have never done to us or treated us that way. Okay? They become toxic. And we can't let our life be ran by our emotions. If we look at Matthew chapter 9, this is a perfect example of how Jesus sees us. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're gonna start in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Now, this is beautiful. This is Jesus. He came here to demonstrate the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. It's all about the good news. It's about healing. It's about healing the brokenhearted. It's about healing physical sickness, even emotional. Because look at this. In verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, this word compassion in the Greek is so much deeper. It's not like he looked around and said, "Oh, look at the crowds. Aren't they cute? Look at them bumbling around, those little humans. That's not what he was saying. This word compassion talks about being moved to the most inner parts. Have you ever seen something that's so gut-wrenching that you're like, man, That just it does something within me? Jesus had that type of compassion for people. He would see the crowds, and he'd be like, oh, this isn't how it's supposed to be. But why did he have compassion? It goes on to say, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, with that compassion, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Why was he looking for people to help these people? Because they were harassed and helpless. Now, when we see they were like, oh, they were harassed and they were helpless. These words are really, really strong in the Greek. The word harassed means this, to skin or flay. Now, it gets a little gruesome but think about this he relates to us as sheep right think of when a predator would attack a sheep and it leaves these lacerations and these open wounds it just rips them maybe maybe even kills them but what if it got away but here it is it's bleeding out open wounds these lacerations it's hurt jesus looked out and he saw people who were broken hearted. He saw people with open wounds who who weren't sure about themselves, who weren't sure about life, weren't even sure about God and what he thought about them. The word helpless in the Greek means to cast or throw down. People who were literally cast out of society. We have wounded people walking around, torn apart emotionally, abandoned, the outcasts of society. But guess what? On the outward, this appearance of being okay sounds like today. Walking around, torn up emotionally, but hey, I'm okay. And especially here in the United States through our own self-medication, whether it's actual pharmaceuticals or it's just getting more material things, we try to hide the issues and what we feel in our life. And Jesus is saying, no, I have compassion towards that. I desire to heal those things in your life. And we say through our own self-medication, we portray this idea of okayness, but here's the question, are we really okay? I mean, truthfully, honestly, are we really okay? Some have more money than others, so they can buy more stuff to push down the real issues or the emotions of life. Some just have the disposition or maybe the personality to cover up what they're really feeling, but the truth is they stand there emotionally toxic, open wounds, from past relationships and issues in their life, and we try to pretend. And Jesus says, you no longer have to pretend with me. Be transparent. Be open. I will deal with these things. I will heal. Because Jesus wants to heal those areas of our heart. We see it right here. He's moved with great compassion for those who are wounded by life, those who are outcasts of society, those who are hurt by religion or worse yet, religious leaders. It happens today, folks, in 2017, 2018. Leaders who maybe even mean well, but they hurt people by their words and their judgment. And you know why people do that? Because they themselves have open wounds and toxic emotions. That's the only thing I can figure out. And so for us sometimes, if we talk down our nose and down our finger at people, we feel better about ourselves because I'm living a little bit better life than them. But that's not Christianity. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not what we're called to. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. He has compassion for them. And, And I'm telling you, when we get to this point where we have that same compassion, I don't always have that, but there's times, have you ever just had that where your heart just breaks for people? And it doesn't matter what lifestyle they're in. it doesn't In fact, it probably has everything to do with the lifestyle they're in, and, and this, this, this self-mutilation and, and hurting in their emotions, and even physically, and you go, "My heart hurts for people. I have compassion for people." Why? Because you have the Spirit of Christ in you. And that's how he is. When he sees the crowds, when he sees people, he hurts for them and he wants to heal. Jesus is a healer. Every time Jesus came in contact with the physical disease, he never became unclean. The person became healed. When the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, she was healed. He didn't become unclean. She was healed. When the lepers touched Jesus, he didn't receive leprosy. You know, if a leper touched you and you didn't have leprosy, you would have to pray and cleanse yourself and confess and go to the temple for one whole day till you're okay again. When lepers touched Jesus, they were healed and they were whole. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. It's not just physical, folks. He heals us in our spirit. He heals in our body, but he wants to heal us in our soul, in our mind, our will, and especially in our emotions. In John 10, verse 7, Jesus says this, verses 7 through 10. He says, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever comes in by me will be saved. Now, I love this word saved because sometimes we read stuff and it's it's always like we attach the ticket to heaven on it, but I want us to see something. The word saved here means preservation, safety, deliverance, healing, wholeness. So Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever comes in by me will be delivered, preserved, safe, healed, and whole. That's here and now, folks, on this earth. I mean, some of us are sitting and we're waiting. It's like one day when sweet Jesus comes back, and I I love the day when Jesus comes back and ushers in a new earth and we're spending eternity with him face to face. It's gonna be amazing, right? But we think one day on the sweet by and by, I can receive deliverance and safety and preservation and healing and wholeness. And he's saying, wait, no, I'm the gate. If you come through me, I'm gonna give that to you now in every area of your life, spirit, soul, in body. He goes on to say, they will come in and go out and find pasture. I love this because the word pasture reminds me of rest. It's a place of rest. Some of us just need a place of rest for our soul, right? We need a place of rest for our soul. And the famous scripture in 1010, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness, The Amplified says this, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I love this translation because what it shows is this. When Jesus comes to us and he restores things in our life and he heals us from brokenness, it should be so good. We should be so full of abundance and abundant life that it overflows to others. That's the kingdom of God, folks. It's not just about me getting restored. It's about the restoration that I have that then overflows into the lives of others where we turn our gaze outward and we're always looking, how can I be a restorer of humanity? Because we have the greater one living on the inside of us, amen? That's the kingdom of God. That's how we operate. So what is the takeaway today with this idea of the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions? Well, as we renew our minds we will see a transformation that changes our will, a will that reflects the will of God and changes our outward actions and words. See, we're looking for, man, I I just want to stop doing those things that I don't want to do. Well, then come back, get on the journey, board the plane, and let Jesus bring you through those, those times in your life, discover who you are, renew your mind, change your will to his will, and all of a sudden, your actions and your words will begin to change. And here's what we'll see. We'll see Christ as the one who heals our emotions. He's the only one who can do it. He's the healer of emotions, amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we are brand new at the core. You've cleaned house, you've moved in. You say, hey, you're worthy. You're acceptable. You're pleasing to me. You're my child. But there's a journey to go on here and it really is all about the soul. I pray today that we've seen things differently. We've seen that this idea of renewing our mind and repentance isn't groveling and hoping we're good enough. It's saying, Holy Spirit, change my mind on who I am. Change my mind about the things that I do. Give me your will. Show me your will so that I can grow in perfection in that will. And then, Jesus, it affects my emotions. I pray for those here today who even now are going through some, just some emotional issues. And we're like, God, I don't, I just lay in bed at night and I I think about what that person did to me or what they said to me or how they treated me as I was growing up. I think about the rejection from that man or from that woman and I just can't seem to get over it and now I just feel like I, I, I can't even communicate right. I can't even be someone in society who, who operates functionally. I'm barely making it here. Jesus, I need your help. I pray that you would touch people in their emotions, that you would heal those toxic areas. The Holy Spirit, you're showing them, maybe even taking them back to some of those points to where things transpired and where things started to become toxic. And you're showing them where you were when that thing happened. Loving them. Showing them your grace. Saying you are worthy. You're acceptable. I love you. I pray that you would heal those areas in our life. We thank you, Jesus, that you desire to heal those areas in our life. It's not just, I got my ticket to heaven, so I just hold out for as long as I can. Dear Jesus, come back. It's you want to heal us here and now. We Thank you for your love and your grace. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, "You know, uh, I'm hearing a lot about this Jesus today, but I've never really made a decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to the way of Jesus. I, I want to have that that brand new creation start. I want to have Jesus help me in my emotions, in my will, in my mind. I want to spend the rest of my life here and through eternity with the Heavenly Father. It's real simple. It's just believing." It's believing that Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified, but then He rose again. He started everything over, pushed the reset button on creation, and said, "There's a new way of living now. Will you accept it? Will you choose to follow Me?" With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and say, "I want to make that decision," Pastor, just raise your hand. Just simply saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for every person here this morning those who have had said yes, that they would even more see your goodness and your love towards them, that you don't, you don't care just about the spiritual, you care about the soul our mind our will and emotions, and you want to heal those things in our life. If there's those here who are still kind of contemplating this idea of following you, I pray that they would continue to come and see your goodness and see your kindness because it's your kindness, Heavenly Father, that draws us in to repentance, to change our mind about how we're living and realize that your way is the better way. You're so good. You're a good, good Father. We thank you and we praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, And everyone said Amen. Isn't God good? Man. Say, God loves me. Wow. Say it again. God loves me. Say this, God cares for me. Say this, he'll never leave me. He'll never abandon me. Are you encouraged? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always,